something I always kind of liked about uh, Superman's alter ego as Clark Kent is that that's not really a different person. You know, he, he acts more nerdy and more shy than he does as Superman, but that's just kind of who he is. You know, he's he's not like pretending to be something that he's not. That nerdy, kind of shy guy, that's, that's his real personality. And when he becomes Superman and he's more confident, that's also his real personality. They're just two different aspects of him. Um, which I think sort of gets lost a lot of times when we're talking about alter egos, is that we're talking about someone that's totally different, you know, from someone else. But for Superman, both of these personalities play into who he is and why we like him. I think the both of you may be a little bit confused. Uh, they're different people. <laughs> <laughs> Clark Kent wears glasses. Superman doesn't. I mean... <laughs> Just a reminder, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. Different series that require a spoiler warning will be in the description. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Gaming Theater Podcast. Today's episode is going to be all about altered egos in storytelling. Now, and before we get started with that, I just want to introduce the guests that are going to be talking about this subject with us today. Now, once again, my name is Leo. I am the Geek Scorpio. And also with us today is going to be... Hi, I'm Rob. I am a student of game design. Hello, my name is Dean Dane. I'm a all-around nerd and a, a streamer, I guess. Nice. All right. But before we get started, let's get take a quick trip to the Magical Merch Booth. So we're here with Magical Merch Booth. Now that we're done with all of our stuff with Gem State Gaming Convention, I wanted to take a moment to thank everybody for Gem State Gaming Convention for letting us uh, do so many live events there. There's going to be several different events that are being edited and going to show up on the YouTube channel, one featuring El Penguin later, and it'll be great if you guys check it out. If not, no big deal. We're going to get uh, the rest of the podcast is going to move on like normal. But thanks for everybody who, who supported us while we were at that convention. In the meantime... Let's get back to the show. Okay, so today's episode is all about altered egos. Now, just to let everyone know where I came up with this, the subject matter came up because I started watching a new Superman show that came out for Adult Swim and Max recently. It's called My Adventures with Superman. The part that really got me interested into that show is the fact that most of the show takes place talking about Clark Kent, the altered ego of Superman. You start seeing the rare patterns of that in, in other uh, shows with superheroes on it because sometimes they'll forget that there's an altered ego for them. Superman uh, by himself doesn't make the story. It's also his mild-mannered altered ego, Clark Kent. And people sometimes forget that part. So we're going to go over a couple of different major altered egos out there, and I figured we could start with Superman himself. Superman was created, two creators of of Superman, Joel Schumacher and... 
Uh, Joel Schuster, I think you mean. Yeah, Joel Schuster. Yeah, and God, who's the other guy? Um, Jerry Siegel. Yeah, Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster created Superman, and they based it upon themselves because they were Jewish immigrants that came to the United States, and they were very, very mild mannered looking. In fact, the original artwork that's went done for Clark Kent is based on Joel Siegel, and they were like, "Well, what if we could be?" this strong guy this popular guy the guy who can do anything that uh, out there and that's what sort of the short end of how superman became spawned over that okay something i always kind of liked about uh superman's alter ego as clark kent is that that's not really a different person you know he he acts more nerdy and more shy than he does as superman but that's just kind of who he is you know he's he's not like pretending to be something that he's not that nerdy kind of shy guy that's that's his real personality and when he becomes superman and he's more confident that's also his real personality they're just two different aspects of him um which i think sort of gets lost a lot of times when we're talking about alter egos that we're talking about someone that's totally different you know from someone else but for superman both of these personalities play into who he is and why we like him I think the both of you may be a little bit confused. Uh, they're different people. <laughs> Clark Kent wears glasses. Superman doesn't. I mean, <laughs> no, I totally agree. Though uh, it's very similar, right? With uh, you know Clark Kent and Superman, you've got you know Batman and Bruce Wayne, and I think in the same way, right? One could argue that Bruce Wayne is not necessarily Bruce Wayne's like true persona, but I still do think it is a part of him, right? It is another facet of him in, in a similar way to Clark Kent being a facet of who Superman is or who Kal-El is, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, it's part of his fascination for it is that he is basically both people. Superman is just him with all the powers and the drive to try to, to see what's best in people. But Clark Kent also sees what's best in people and wants to help out where he can. If it wasn't for the fact that the cape makes him, you know, separates these two people he would probably just be doing it all on his own so there's a fun little fact that i found during this research for it so warner brothers the company that is the parent company of um both max and and dc which is why they helped to make the original superman movie back in the 70s so apparently as it turns out one of the requirements for any live action actor to play superman in a major motion picture is to wear the original 1970 costume that Christopher Reeve wore and see if they can portray Superman. The idea behind it is that because the the costume is awful, it's in comparison to all the Superman costumes out there, it does not good. But if you can convince everybody in the room that you are this powerful being, this pillar of morality that is Superman, that's how you know that you got the job. And so everyone who's played that role, Chris Arib, um, oh, I can't even think of his name. The guy who was, he's the Witcher. Henry Cavill? Henry Cavill. And every major motion picture actor who's played Superman has at one point in time had to wear the same suit in order to prove that they can perform this character on it. And it's mainly because Christopher Reeve did such a good job portraying those two roles, uh, Clark Kent and Superman, that they put this sort of thing on a pedestal for it. Hmm. Interesting. 
so they have to do that because what happened during the screen test, they have uh, the original one in the 70s. They had multiple people try out for the role of Superman. Christopher Reeve was just in the running for it. And they put him into the costume the first time. And the costume looked awful for him. And he looked like really thin in the suit for some reason. Except Christopher Reeve understood how to change his personality to make it fit. So he's mo- more bolsterous. His chest is higher out. He's speaking from the diaphragm because he has a background in um, musical theater. But also, if you ever get a chance to watch it, he was so nervous putting on that suit that the original screen test they have for him, his armpits are completely soaked through the entire suit. <laughs> he's like, oh, man, I hope I do a good job. But then, like a switch, all of a sudden, you believe exactly that he is Superman. Yeah, no, not wrong. So whenever people talk about how there's uh, like Clark wears glasses, uh, Superman doesn't. There's actually a whole list of psychology behind the the disguise that goes beyond that. It just looks simply put put for just putting on glasses. All right. So here's the thing that once you hear about it, it's one of those you might not be able to unsee. Any character that's usually drawn, uh, that's done as a villain or something untrustworthy of it, they usually, for some weird reason, have their hair parted to the left, including Clark Kent. But when Clark Kent's actually Superman, his hair is parted to the right or, or it goes back. And it's one of those weird statistics in psychology that that little change can change up a whole a part of a whole image. He has in glasses. He's uh, more hunched over. He leans forward more. And he does all these little physical things. You do enough of them and you can basically look like a whole another person. Yeah, I mean, I think I think people who think like, oh, I could absolutely see through that disguise really don't understand how poorly our facial recognition abilities are as humans. Like, it's not as good as you think. It. So case in point, this is this happened to me just yesterday, in fact. Um, I worked with uh, an artist on a game team for a year and a half. Um, And we weren't like directly working with each other, but she was on my team. I'd see her most days of the week and she had dyed hair. Like half of her hair was dyed and the other half was not dyed. Mm -hmm. Worked with her for a year and a half. And then, you know, I hadn't worked with her now for at this point, I think it's about six months. She walks into my retail job. And she's not wearing a mask. The entire time I worked with her, she was wearing a mask. But she's not wearing a mask now. She doesn't have to while she's in the retail store. Did not recognize her even a little bit. Despite the fact that she had very distinguishing, like, I've never seen anyone in real life with that hairstyle and the hair dyed in the way that it was. Only person in my life I know that has half of her hair dyed and the other half not. Still, I had no clue who she was. (laughs) And... She walked up to me. Oh, hey, how's it going? Uh, sorry, do I know you? Yeah, we worked together for a year and a half. We we did? And then she tells me your name. Holy crap, I didn't recognize you without the mask on. And like you you think you're good at these things, but you're not. You know, something as simple as glasses, if you're not specifically looking for it, if you're not thinking, okay, here's here's my good friend Clark Kent, and he has told me he is Superman, and he is now appearing to me as Superman without the glasses, unless that happens, you're not going to recognize somebody right off the bat, and maybe not even after a while of looking at them. <laughs> There's this uh, edited scene from Superman 2, which I, it's one of those things that they removed it, but you wish it was put in there 
and you'll watch Christopher Reeve uh, switch between Clark Kent and Superman, and he gains something like five inches of height. It's just crazy. And then he and then he switches back by putting the glasses on and, and hunching over. But yeah, there's totally a bunch of little things that they do to make that work for it. I forget if it's Henry Cavill or if it's um, or if it was Brandon Roth when they were doing Superman. One of the fun things they did just out of the, out of the blue is have the actor go out in um, dressed as as Clark Kent and see if anybody recognizes him. They spent like a few hours in a, I think in, in a uh, restaurant. Not a single person knew who he was. Well, kind of similar along that vein, right? Where uh, it's a pretty famous story at this point, but Dolly Parton entered a Dolly Parton lookalike contest and lost. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, how how wild must that be? Where like I'm, I'm them. What do you, <laughs> what do you mean? I don't look like me. Nah, you're not good enough. <laughs> I, I remember reading a story, and this might be, this may or may not be true, I don't actually know, but Marilyn Monroe was, like, walking down the street with, like, a producer or somebody, I forget the exact person, and nobody was really reacting to her, and the, the producer was kind of confused, and she goes, would you like to see her? You know, the other girl? Uh, sure. And basically, all she does is change her body language. She just walks, you know, more confidently stands up a little bit taller and just kind of, you know, acts a little bit more sexy. And then all of a sudden, everyone on the street is turning and looking and recognizing, oh, my gosh, that's Marilyn Monroe. You know, I mean, like, it's it's amazing how small of a change you can make and look like a totally different person. Mm-hmm. Now, back to what we were talking about before with Batman. Batman is a little bit of the opposite basically he Bruce Wayne is the disguise not not Batman and in several different comics and in an episode of Batman the animated series um it's a it's a weird trick so like some i think it's Dr. Fear or such was trying to mess with his with Batman's brain uh no it was in Batman Beyond now i remember what it is in Batman Beyond there was some psychic who was trying to mess with uh, Bruce Wayne's uh, Bruce Wayne's brain and Bruce Wayne just was never fully affected by the psychic. And he's a powerful psychic. When Terry McGinnis asks him why he he didn't uh, affect him, he goes, well, yeah, he never really used my name. He goes, well, he just kept calling you Bruce Wayne the whole time. Uh-huh. You're Batman. You just think you're Batman. That, that's your name. You're Batman. <laughs> but no, he is just Batman. That that That's how he perceives himself. Bruce Wayne is the alter ego, the thing that keeps him grounded, though. There's this super cool comic that i want to go get and i've read it repeatedly and it's called divided we fall so just to get some backstory in this comic in divided we, uh, this happened after another comic called tower of babel which um is a famous story where somebody breaks into the bat computer and steals a set of files from batman now what they steal is a list of the weaknesses and ways to defeat every member of the justice league the reason why everyone's pissed at Batman is because it's their teammate who who sets up this line of things that says, yeah, if in case everyone goes rogue, here's my list of how to put every single person down. It's kind of weird to have your friend like, yeah, I know how to take you down psychologically just to just in case. But we're cool with that 10 bucks you owe me, right? <laughs> but yeah, so he creates this. Now, in Divided We Fall, he and Superman are having like this discussion about what to do with Batman because Superman, all things considered 
is cool with Batman knowing how to how to put him down because one of his biggest fears, how powerful he is, that it'll take over and any number of things could get trashed in that wake. So having one guy who knows how to put him down for him is a safety measure. Now, at some point, and this is part of the story, there's apparently like some mystical thing that's running around that's been randomly granting people's wishes. But it's been randomly running around, uh, scanning people's brains, finding out what they wish for, and then granting the wish. So it's just been on autopilot. So it happens to, at this point, reach out to Superman, and he's like, I really wish I, we didn't have dual lives. I could keep my identity and my superpowers heroes as two separate things. And what it does is that every member of the Justice League at the time, which had dual identities, so Superman, Batman, uh, Green Lantern, which was Kyle Rayner at the time, and um, Plastic Man, who was in the, in the league at this time, all had their bodies basically split into two people. So, and the Flash. So because of that wish, there's... Batman as Batman and Bruce Wayne, the alter ego for it, as two completely different people. And this goes on for about a month where they have to deal with the fact that they have two people. And they're like, well, since we can both be the superhero and the person, we'll just let them, um, you know, live out their lives until we can self figure out a way to, to solve this. And it goes nuts because Bruce Wayne has all the pent up rage and anger and fear that he's had for for a lifetime from his parents dying and nowhere to focus that into. And so like he ends up going in, in full vigilante mode, but he doesn't have the skills that Batman has the years and years of dedication for, for that. And the nuance to be able to know uh, to have any of that scientific acumen. He's basically Batman without being a detective or a fighter, basically a crazed vigilante. Hmm. Superman has, um, was split. So Clark Kent is basically running the news, just uh, doing his reporter thing. And he just, his heart sinks on the basis that whenever there's some kind of trouble, he doesn't have his abilities to help and he can't really help as much as he used to. But then Superman that is running around because he's mostly his alien abilities and his Kryptonianness is so separated. He's completely oblivious to, unless a super villain is, is taking somebody on He's oblivious to what happens to people and doesn't really care. At some point, the only language he speaks is Kryptonian because he because he's so separated from everybody. The saddest one is Plastic Man, though. Plastic Man's origin is that he was a criminal that fell into another vat of chemicals because that's what you do in the DC universe. Except he's reformed. When he's reformed, he uses his powers and everything just to be a hero. In the Justice League side, but he's also jokes around he's kind of a clown and everything the superhero version of him is actually ends up distracted nine times out of ten because he has no focus and sort of pushing the buttons of every member of the league because he's just basically a trick uh, a trickster at this point however the other guy is looking like he's a desperate addict trying his hardest not to fall back into his old ways because when he had the powers, he could be a superhero, and that was what was keeping him on the straight and narrow. He was driving himself insane through the comics, trying to keep himself from basically um, getting back to the thing that he that he's hooked to, which is crime. Yeah, they kind of on that note, and, and particularly with Batman, is uh, that's like a like you know there here's here's this episode or, or this issue that specifically deals with you know alter egos, but for Batman, that's actually like a recurring problem. 
is that he's constantly losing himself in the Batman persona and ignoring the Bruce Wayne persona. But the Bruce Wayne persona is what keeps him grounded, what keeps him, you know, human and what keeps him like, you know, morally, morally right. If he, when he starts to go all Batman, he starts to forget why he's doing this. You know, he starts to forget the difference between right and wrong. And it's, and it's because he's just so obsessed with stopping crime, this becomes a recurring problem. I think that's the real reason he has, like, the Bat family, is to keep him from doing that. I think it was the major reason why Nightwing, like, basically, or well, at the time, Robin, Dick Grayson, just basically bailed on him. Because mm. I know one of the big things is he doesn't want to be the guy, he doesn't want to follow exactly in Batman's footsteps on this. Yeah, I think in Batman Beyond, that was why Bruce Wayne ends up being alone in his old age is because as Batman, he became so obsessed with the fight against crime that he pushed other people away. Um, Cause he wasn't, cause he was Batman, not Bruce Wayne. I did love that in the Harley Quinn, um, the, the Harley Quinn show um, because Harley Quinn gets a, a, in an episode, she gets a chance to go into uh Bruce Wayne's uh, mind, and that's how she finds out that Bruce Wayne is Batman, which I think is hilarious because the main reason why she doesn't tell anybody is because she believes in doctor-patient confidentiality. <laughs> so good. And you're like, good for her. That good for her. It was just phenomenal. It was phen- I did love that, though. He's like, look, I'm not going to stop you, but you really need some actual, you know, help on this. <laughs> yeah, like, one uh, of the other things I always kind of notice about Batman is like, you know, as a kid, he went through this very traumatic experience, you know, and and at this point, I think we're all a little bit desensitized to it because we've seen it so many times. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you're a child and you see your parents murdered in front of you, that's going to mess you up. Oh, yeah. That's called trauma. Yeah. And the way a lot of people deal with trauma, especially if they don't get actual real therapy, uh, is they put on a mask. They they fake being functioning members of society. And I've always kind of thought that's what the Bruce Wayne persona is. That is him faking it so that other people don't know how badly he's traumatized. I could do that. Oh, Dane, you were saying something? Oh, yeah. No, uh, to kind of uh, tie it back into uh, the Harley Quinn show, I think it's interesting. There is a scene where uh, the Joker and the Scarecrow are hanging out and they've got Bruce, or they got a uh, Batman captured, and they're having this conversation. Everything's going, and, and Scarecrow kind of loses his uh, his mind for a minute and unveils that Batman is Bruce Wayne. And there's this whole like comedic scene where the Joker's like, "No, I didn't want to know. Why would I want to know? That takes all the fun out of it. Like, it's it's not enjoyable if I know that he's Bruce Wayne." But speaking of which. Where's my electric car, Bruce? I put a down payment a year ago. You promised him, you know, a while back. Where's my electric car? Um, and I just, I mean, that scene really sticks out in terms of the whole alter ego thing to me, because that's a very good point, right? Like a lot of Bruce Wayne's, or Batman, I guess, his enemies probably could find out who he is, hypothetically. Hmm. But I do think that they kind of enjoy the the air of mystery surrounding who is the batman yeah i mean batman gets captured a lot and and every now and again 
someone will like try and unmask him and then something happens to prevent them. But for the most part, the villains just don't bother. Mm-hmm. My favorite one is in the comics for when they introduced Hush as a villain. Mm. And I loved it because it turns out the Riddler figured out who Batman is. And, um, and so he dangles the, the fact that, yeah, I know who your real, what your real identity is. What are you going to do about it? And so Batman, after thinking for half a second, just goes, nothing. What, what, what do you mean? Nothing. And, and he just sits there and he looks at Riddler, Riddler. He goes, so you know who I am. So you know what the greatest secret that all of Gotham could ever know. But what good is a secret to somebody? How useful is a secret to, to somebody if everyone knows the answer? Hmm. It was funny because like, the Riddler just is sitting there and then he's like now pouty and mad because now that he knows who he is, what good is it if I tell everybody because now other people will know who he is. Very much like a no one will ever believe you sort of moment. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, and it's and it's not even that, but just like because this is the this is the Riddler. His whole deal is about riddles. He has to be the smartest man in the room. That's like mm-hmm. his thing. It's not okay for someone else to be as smart as him. Which means if he has information, he doesn't want you to know it because that will make you a little bit smarter. Mm-hmm. To Riddler's credit, like he's the one that that depending on who's the manipulator will either see him as a kind of a comic joke or the real biggest threat that they have to deal with. Um, Amanda Waller, when uses the Riddler in the suicide squad a lot in task force sex. And so a thing with the suicide squad is they put a bomb on the back of the neck of every, every member of the suicide squad. Cause if they fail or if they betray him, he can just, you know, detonate the bomb. Right. Doesn't work on Riddler because he keeps turning it off. However, he needs the Riddler as a master tactician in there because there's few people in the world that are as clever or as smart as him. I mean, this is a guy who fights Batman on the on the basis of his wit alone. And there's not a lot of people that can actually keep up with that. So, like, these are sort of the things that are, for, that are alter egos. But this is kind of a more extreme personality. A different take on that would be what Marvel does with Spider-Man. The alter ego in this case, because Peter Parker is the guy. But the alter ego is Spider-Man. However, he keeps them separate on the basis of the comeuppance. Be doing the things that he needs to do to keep up his responsibility as Spider-Man puts a target on a lot of people's backs. And the best way to keep the, his family and friends safe is that nobody knows who Spider-Man really is. The 90s Spider-Man cartoon is one of my favorite things when they try to introduce the Punisher. The Punisher has the same problem as Deadpool in in cartoons on the basis of the cartoon needs to be made for children or young teens. Deadpool kills a lot of people. That's what he does. Mm. And the Punisher mm. is, it's in his name. He punishes pretty violently on things. But someone put a price on Spider-Man's head and the Punisher deduces that because of all the photos that are taken, Peter Parker has got to be Spider-Man. Meanwhile, somebody else dressed in a Spider-Man costume is all of a sudden swinging across the skies while Punisher's looking at him and has Peter Parker tied up. And Peter, just on instinct, turns around and just tells him, oh, look, there's Spider-Man. It must be me up there. Clearly, I'm up there right now. (laughs) 90s Spider-Man from the cartoon is like the sassiest person. He is so sassy. (laughs) I learned the other day that the same voice actor who did Spider-Man voice acted um prince charming in cinderella 3 
hmm. who is in Cinderella 3 is surprisingly hilarious. At some point, the king tells him, you cannot leave this room. I forbid it. There's no way you're getting down these stairs. And he looks down at the stairs, looks up and goes, okay, and jumps out the window out of the fifth story building. <laughs> Not even thinking about it. Just goes. That is so extra. <laughs> it's so Well, amazing. yeah, because, you know, he's got spider webs that he can just swing from. He doesn't need to worry about that, right? Yeah, that's how Prince yeah. Charming works. Prince Charming, 100%. That's what happens. When you get a voice actor role, they just sort of bleed all together. Rob oh, Holson is someone you do not want to mess with, being Raphael and Donatello and Yako. Yeah. And many others. And many others. But don't worry, his Achilles heel will be the box ghost. <laughs> but yeah, so like a lot of those characters, in especially in Marvel, their alter ego is just there as an alter ego. It's someone else. Um, what is it? When Miles Morales got first introduced the normal public doesn't even know there's a new Spider-Man. They just assume it's the same guy with a new costume. Would you consider Scott Summers a alter ego? Uh, Scott Summers is a weird one because he's just Cyclops the entire time. Yeah. X-Men have a different... So, here's the thing. With alter egos for the X-Men, the mutants, that's not the same treatment. That's more of a nom de plure. So, without certain their their names the cyclops that's not really a superhero name that's like a code name because they're really more like a black ops squad mm -hmm. you know that's you know the the only reason they don't call him by his real name is because they're on a mission and mm -hmm. we use code names for that and call signs unless you're gene gray <laughs> unless you're gene gray What's her call sign? Jean Grey. Jean Grey. I mean, she had one before, obviously. But, yeah. But like, it was Marvel. The Marvel? 90s X Men, they're like, ah, Jean, watch out. <laughs> we have Beast, East, Cyclops, Wolverine, which also go on that same name. Jubilee's call sign is <laughs> Jubilee. But like, we put the name together instead of separated because her name actually is Jubilee. Jubilationly. Jubilee. Yeah. Uncrackable. Uncrackable. No one will figure that one out. Um, there's a... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of like um, Danny Phantom. Mm. <laughs> and and his superhero... Like, his superhero name is Danny Phantom, and his real-life name is Danny Fenton. Yep. <laughs> and I just love it, because in one of the movies, uh, you know, he gets found out by the public at large, and then... Is it Dash is the bully? I forget his name. I Dash, yeah. He's so. just like... Danny Fentered is Danny Fentered. Like it's this huge revelation when he changed like one syllable of his name. <laughs> Unhackable. Unhackable. But no, so the X Men have it a little bit differently. They're not just call signs. Um, for a lot of the X Men, who especially for people who have gone through the school for the Charles Xavier School, it's considered a mutant name. It's your it quickly describes your powers and such. Beast can run up walls and do all these beast-like things, so he's the beast uh, instead of Hank McCoy. Scott Summers, because his eye beams will always center into one single beam, is uh, Cyclops. Wolverine gets a pass because somebody else gave him that name. But Skin, whose powers involve moving his skin, making it bigger... Uh, I still stand by my statement. Jubilee is just sort of 
yeah, it can shoot sparkles, but also pretty lazy on this one, guys. <laughs> Not as lazy as Gene Razzle Dazzle. <laughs> no, Dazzler was been taken. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> If she was going by Dazzler then and not one of her other names, she's got mm. three or four. She's got a stockpile in the back. She do. <laughs> she do. Um, kind of going back, because I feel like we didn't really get a chance to discuss it uh, with Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Because mm-hmm. uh, a big recurring problem for him is sort of that, like, you know, work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Is he really struggles in his Peter Parker persona to do the things that he needs to do because he spends so much of his time and energy in his Spider-Man persona dealing with criminals. And so he's like, he's constantly late to stuff. He struggles to keep up with his schoolwork. He struggles to spend time with his friends and his family because he's all the time off doing the Spider-Man thing. Because of course he's got that whole, you know, great power, great responsibility motto. Yeah. And there's sort of this like, you know, because I have the Spider-Man powers, I have to be out there stopping the crime what um, is it? he had to take an extra class for get rad- when he graduated high school because he missed it from a being spider-man i know he missed being married to mary jane he was late to his own wedding because of being spider-man and i think he had to spend like an extra year or two in college because his grades fell oh yeah i mean that would that doesn't surprise me at all mm-hmm. um and like that's for a lot of alter egos that's not something they bring up they occasionally bring it up you know there's usually like here's an episode dedicated to the idea that they struggle with their with managing their time and then it's never brought up again mm-hmm. but like for peter parker this is you know this is like kind of like a realistic take like no this happens all the time and it's it's not a problem that's going to go away yeah give credit to stan lee like when he creates his uh his characters he and he wants to give them a problem. He explores that. Spider-Man was always supposed to be the regular guy who who happened to get powers. The Hulk has a huge problem with when is he'll ever go switch over to the Hulk. Bruce Banner's fine, but it doesn't take much for him to switch to the Hulk. But yeah, there's several different characters on that on that that have that problem. Wolverine doesn't. Wolverine is just Wolverine. Yeah, well, because I mean that's that's the other thing with like the X Men too is that they're not really superheroes in the traditional sense. You know, they're they're at a school. They have like you know here's their lives scheduled for them. You know, and then they go on a mission because they're assigned to it. There's someone organizing all that stuff for them. Are they going to be late to class? Nope, gotta pass because this class is here. Oh, so like it was a really big critique. Did you guys ever watch the animated series Spectacular Spider-Man? It's yes. one of the best Spider-Man series that is out there. Now, one of the longest-running ones is Ultimate Spider-Man. That was on Disney did that one. And they never or very rarely tackled the fact that Spider-Man and Peter Parker are two different people or have different lives. It just never comes up at all. And kind of is a detriment to the series because... A lot of people, uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man, even though it ran longer, didn't have to deal with the half the problems that Peter Parker normally does. And so you kind of miss on what made Peter Parker, the storyline for Spider-Man, good is because, like, one of the th- issues that he has to deal with is ha- keeping up with his regular personality life. Meanwhile, in Spectacular Spider-Man, they in that series, they explored with that tone so well. Like, I loved it because for a long time, one of the girlfriends that he had in there was... Liz Allen, which is just like Mary Jane Watson's in the school. 
when Stacy's there as well. And so these are the her his most two common love interests in the in the main storyline. And here's Liz Allen. Let's give it to her instead. And for the most part, the way that that storyline ended is that they eventually had to have a mutual breakup because Peter Parker wasn't there when she needed him a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And Peter couldn't in good conscience tell her that he's Spider-Man because even though we probably should have, but the second he does, the, if anybody finds out, there's a target on, on Liz. And that's something mm-hmm. that he doesn't want to deal with. I find it interesting in kind of a similar vein, um, the mm-hmm. most recent live action She-Hulk yeah. show uh, really deals with like, can a superhero be more than just their superhero name, right? <laughs> um, and it does sort of examine similar ideas that you've mentioned with uh, Peter Parker about, you know, dating and what that looks like when you're a superhero and you have to be, you know, you're, you're working a nine to five day job, but then you also keep getting drawn into these like crazy fights out there. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for you when all you want to do is, you know, in this case, be a lawyer? Yeah. Um, but like watching your own personal life kind of suffer because of it uh, is is difficult. Truth be told, Daredevil is probably the one that just is all about that life because he does the superhero thing. Once he busts them, now he's doing the lawyer thing, trying to prosecute everybody else that he's busting. <laughs> Out of everybody, he's probably the most efficient of them all. Feels like it would be a conflict of interest. <laughs> oh, it absolutely is. Yes. Well, he's not the—he's a defender, not a prosecutor. <laughs> <laughs> he just presents all the evidence. If you happen to find it, here's some evidence right here. I gotta go. But yeah, so you take into effect on that. Now, one that we would—I want to discuss a little bit about—is called—is a concept in pro wrestling called kayfabe. Kayfabe is where you embody your person, your persona. Now, in the modern era that we have right now. There's this whole thing of kayfabe is mostly dead is what they is what the moniker is because people didn't have to live out those kind of lifestyles. But back in like the 80s and the 90s, it was if this is what your character does, this is how you live your life to do that. It gets to kind of weird. Like a famous one is Ric Flair, who's supposed to be jive talking, street walking. I forgot the rest of his thing. But essentially, woo! essentially his big thing is that he's always in the most like every he has a new robe to go out and wrestle with every single time he's supposed to be this kind of it's posh playboy so you know we were turned of uh events for that a lot of pro wrestlers had to like carpool and and go into and and save money as much as they can like mick foley mankind was infamously famous and slightly annoyed a lot of wrestlers because he was the cheapest one out there because he would like, all right, we're going to all take this one car. Everyone gets one bathroom trip. And then we're all and we're only going to snack on these things because it's the cheapest thing to get there. All right. Meanwhile, Ric Flair, because of his character's persona, since it's this high line rich playboy, he got a stipend from WWE to keep up that persona. People see him on the street. They have to see that he is eating the biggest T-bone steak in the house. They have to see that he is coming in with champagne bottles and with the finest of clothing. And he and he's like, okay, but I need some sweet cash to flash around or, you know, for my persona. It was something like in the 80s, he was able to carry around like $1,500 in cash between, uh, match, uh, between going from one wrestling match to another. 
So he was having a fun lifestyle time by doing that. <laughs> Another weird favorite story is uh, there's these two wrestlers, Polynesian, they're related to The Rock. I think it's the Head Shrinkers. And part of their persona is that they uh, couldn't speak English. So they were in a car carpooling with one of the wrestlers that was opposing them the next week at this arena. They get pulled over by a cop. And the cop uh, talks to them, and they don't say a word to keep up the kayfabe and end up spending a night in jail because of that. Mm. That is dedicated to the craft. Like, honestly, it just sounds exhausting. Like, mm. having to keep up a character all day, every day. Yeah, I think they trace it back to The Rock when he started becoming big and started showing up in into different portions of careers. Because uh, people don't remember, he was in an episode of Star Trek Voyager at one point. And he ended up hosting Saturday Night Live the first time while he was in his wrestling persona. So it kind of like uh, took the edge off. And by now, because of social media and such and people doing their promotions and things, it's just easier to just separate the character than it is from the person. Well, I don't know. I feel like The Rock is a different case because I don't think I've ever seen a movie that The Rock's in where he didn't just play The Rock. <laughs> like that's just that that's just kind of who he is. Like, I don't know if that's who he really is as a person, but it's the only persona I've ever seen him in, so... So he defines his persona as The Rock as himself taken up to 11. Mm. So things are more extreme of, of what he is. So it's it kind of fits in that. If we're talking about altered egos, I've got to talk about my personal favorite one, Rusty Shackleford. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's just what he a name he uses to order pizza. Turns out Rusty Shackleford also is apparently a real person. I think one of my favorite, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is a scene, or I dreamed it. Either way, it's hilarious. Mm. Uh, but there's a scene where Dale Gribble has to introduce himself to somebody, some some authoritarian. And he's like, my name is Rusty Shackleford, and this is my friend. And he's he's with somebody. And he pauses for a moment, and I'm pretty sure he just says Rusty Shackleford again. <laughs> Maybe I've dreamed this. I don't know, but I, I do recall this happening. <laughs> that 100% sounds like something Dale Gribble would do. Mm -hmm. But, like, how often does Dale Gribble just use Rusty Shackleford in in a spot? Here's my real question. How often does it work? Because I feel like every time he uses the Rusty, Shack Rusty Shackleford persona, he's immediately found out. <laughs> Like, nobody actually believes that that's his name. So, like, are there points where he presents himself as Rusty Shackerford and people think that's his real name? It's Dale, so I'm going to say no. I'm going to say <laughs> it never really works, but he can't stop himself. Because he thinks it's going to work, which is all he needs to do. I found it. I found what it is. Um, yep. This may not be the exact one that I was thinking of, but... There's a scene where he's uh, in trouble with the law, and he's like, I'm Mr. Shackleford's attorney, Rusty Shackleford. I'd like to plead innocent by reason of insanity. <laughs> this may not be 100% what I was thinking of, but it's close enough. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's definitely, like, if everyone did know that Clark Kent was Superman when he put on this, the, the glasses, mm -hmm. it would be the equivalent of Rusty Shackleford, because I don't know that I can think of a time where it works ever. Like, Hank, Hank has a better track record with Mr. Big. Yeah. <laughs> and Mr. Big is, I'm Hank Hill. I'm Mr. Big. It's slightly Mr. different. Big. I'm Mr. Big. Oh. 
that does remind me of this thing that was popping around. It was like, and this is in the writer's room of Super, uh, the Superman writer's room, that there was like this thing, this joke of, no, every criminal in Metropolis knows that Superman and Clark Kent are the same people. But Clark Kent has to have a nine to five job. So that's when you do your crime. <laughs> you do it when it's less likely he's going to get out of work. That You know what? That's brilliant. <laughs> uh, I kind of remember, I think there was a Saturday Night Live sketch mm-hmm. where they basically everybody at the Daily Planet knows that Clark Kent is Superman. But essentially, they all decide not to bug him about it because as Superman, he keeps saving the world. <laughs> and so they just like, you know, sort of collectively agree not to out him. Mm-hmm. But he's just really, really bad at it. Like in one of his articles, he writes... Like he writes something about not that I'm Superman, and then a couple, you know, a couple sentences later, because I'm Superman. Oh wait, oh crap, oh no, I wasn't supposed to say that. He wrote that out and didn't <laughs> delete it. <laughs> oh, so a funny part of the alter ego that we don't that doesn't come up a lot, um, but should is uh, Darkwing Duck and Gizmo Duck. And I like the way they sort of changed it up in the re- in the reboot uh, for DuckTales. And so the way it works out is Darkwing Duck is uh, his his real personality is Drake Mallard. But in the original cartoon, like he doesn't have a nine to five job or anything. He's just Darkwing. <laughs> I was always really confused about that as a kid because I was wondering, like, what's you know, what's his day job? All, all the superheroes I know have like a day job for their secret identity. Um, and he just doesn't? And I didn't understand why they even bothered. So, apparently, I had to do some digging and research. His day job is working as a superhero for Shush, that government organization that needs him to do jobs once in a while. <laughs> and, you know, any money he has, he just blows it immediately at making... Because Darkwing's big thing is his ego is unchecked. Hmm. So it's kind of weird because it all has to go back to his first episode. Like, he was just some crazy guy running around with a big ego, busting little criminals here and there, but not really doing much until he deals with Taurus Bulba, which is an actual supervillain. And since he puts down Taurus Bulba, who is, at the time, the second highest agent that Fowl has ever had. Number one, Steel Peak. And so, like, he does his job, he does these things, but he has to come back to his old persona of Drake Mallard because he has a kid. Actually, yeah, now that's something else that really confused me as a kid. Darkwing Duck has a secret identity as Drake Mallard. Gosselin doesn't. Gosselin is constantly there at his side while fighting crime, just as herself. Same thing with his official sidekick, Launchpad McQuack. Launchpad does not have a secret identity. That's just who he is. That's his that's his normal dress attire, constantly hanging out with both Darkwing and Drake Mallard, doesn't bother with secret identity in any way, shape, or form. So I can't explain Goslin. I can't explain Launchpad McQuack. Been on adventures with Scrooge McDuck. Oh, he's just the guy who does this. That's just what he does. <laughs> but uh in the reboot, they have Gizmo Duck, who keeps who people just keep accidentally figuring out who he is because he's bad at keeping that secret identity. (laughs) Like, his mom figures it out, and he's like, Mom, when did you know? First off, you are in a giant metallic suit. Secondly, you sound like my son. Third, I'm a detective that you're you're living with. I'm going to figure this out. 
<laughs> There's one episode Webby figures out that he's Gizmo Duck, and he takes out this big list that he's been keeping track of people who know who he who, that he's Gizmo Duck, and that is two pages long. <laughs> he's trying his best, but he's not good at it. I actually kind of remember an issue of Spider-Man where that, where that was a problem. Like he's sitting there with Mary Jane and she's made up a list of everyone that knows his secret identity. And it's like two pages long. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes this stuff just sort of happens. Um, the only other weird example of an altered ego being played into the storyline is that I can think of is in fallout four, the silver shroud in video games. You <laughs> normally don't have to deal with an alter ego because who cares? You're, you're playing Spider-Man to play Spider-Man. You know, mm. Peter Parker's there as the storyline. Uh, what is the old NES Superman game? You play as Clark Kent for all of four minutes until you find a phone booth to change into Superman, and then you're done. <laughs> also, had a weirder thing in there where if you lose too much health, you turn back into Clark Kent. I don't understand how this game mechanic works <laughs> out. The NES game of, for Superman is messy. Side note: every game with Superman in it is messy. And mm. he's got the attribution of having one of the worst games ever made, Superman 64. Yeah, I mean, you really got to try for that kind of title. But, yeah, uh, yeah. It's no one got out of the tutorial. That's not a good thing. Yeah, I, I really liked the follow-up. I kind of forgot about that. Because honestly, I never considered that to be an alter ego when I was playing it. You know, this is 100% your character dresses up as a superhero because it is fun. Like, they're not really trying to keep their identity a secret. They don't need to. You know, by that point, you're like, you know, you're you're like the most awesome deadly character in the wasteland. You don't have to, you don't have to keep your identity secret. But somebody gave me this serval shroud costume and wants me to wear it. And by golly, I'm going to do that. Nope, today is the day. Just like, yeah, my day job is taking out nests of super mutants and raiders, you know. Uh, but at nighttime, I become the Silver Shroud, where I take on raiders and super mutants. <laughs> but you have to do that mission as the Silver Shroud. Like, you even have speech bubbles for the, the speech patterns for the Silver Shroud. You have to have a whole altered ego, and no one cares because it's the apocalypse. An interesting sort of take on this is, um, as an alter ego, is Twisted Metal. The characters are all listed as the name, uh, whenever they're coming out with a new Twisted Metal game, the characters, the the driver can change a lot, but the car doesn't. The cars are typically the same, and that's where you have your ego with that. Like, Spectre's usually a Lamborghini. Mr. Grimm is always a, uh, a motorcycle. Uh, but the characters themselves have changed. Like Outlaw, which is a police vehicle, has changed something like four times in the series. But everyone will call it Outlaw because that's the name of the car. I don't know that I knew that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Dark Side, which Dark Side's a weird one. In Twisted Metal Plaque, it's the driver is I swear a sixteen-year-old girl with a weird face mask of it who was raised in an asylum. Meanwhile, Dark Side back in Twisted Metal One is the shadow figure of what you're pretty certain is Darth Vader. But the vehicle stays the same. It's still a semi-truck. Huh. Actually, shoot, kind of on that note, you get into the the alter ego of Darth Vader. Um, And truth be told, I actually have always felt like this was just a bit of sloppy writing on the part (laughs) of, of the Star Wars 
franchise, but, you know, kind of this, the idea that Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker are two different people. Like, you know, literally they're the same person. But all of the Jedi consider Darth Vader to actually be a different person. That Anakin Skywalker really did die when he became Darth Vader, and they treat him like that. Huh. Yeah. And Darth Vader will go, like, Anakin Skywalker, we can we can talk him down. We, he's part one of the Jedi. Darth Vader, nope. He will slaughter us wholesale if he can. It's like, it's essentially their excuse for why... Um, Obi-Wan originally told Luke that Darth Vader killed his father um, because they didn't have that plot twist in mind when they wrote that script. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's all we've got for it. So Alter Egos for the most part, uh, unless anybody has anything else to say about Alter Egos. No, I think, um, think I'm out. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, Alter Egos can be done in different ways. They can be two personalities of the same person, like Superman. Or it could be that the main uh, that it's it's a type of mask to keep them grounded or keep them re- uh, keep them locked in reality, like Batman has, where Bruce Wayne is the mask, but then he, uh, but uh, the alter ego is the true ego, or mostly for protection, like Spider Man, where the it, this this lets me do go out do the things I need to without putting my family in danger. Or you could be Rusty Shackleford, and no one cares, but we'll all play along because it's easier. Not so, wrong. <laughs> not wrong. Nobody tells him it's not working. The man has pocket sand. That's that's the real reason we go along with the Rusty Shackleford persona. I don't want to get sand in my eyes. <laughs> oh, all right. So, yeah, that sort of concludes this episode for this, this recording. With that being said, the next podcast episode will be released and available on September 1st. Until then, thank you everybody for listening, and this is Gaming Theater Podcast, logging off. Bye, guys! Bye! Gaming Theater Podcast is hosted, created, produced, and edited by Leo Garcia, the Geek Scorpio. Our music is a drinking game. Stock media provided by Stormwave Audio slash Pond5. Our cover art is by Adam Parker. You can find him at ParkerGFX on Twitter. If you want to send us some money to help with these episodes, you can do so at patreon.com slash gamingtheaterpresents. Want to send support that doesn't hit your wallet? Please leave a review with wherever you hear your podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. It really helps out. Thank you for listening.